0: Let's stand and give God glory this morning. Let's give Him praise. He is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be lifted high. At the empty grave, thank God that stone was Let's sing.
1: Scarlet sins had a crimson cost. You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross. The empty slate at the empty grave. Thank God that stone.
0: Aren't you glad it was rolled away that there's not a tomb that is still full of our Savior, but our Savior is risen, alive, and we're getting ready for him. Amen. He's coming back one day again to bring his bride home, and we're looking forward to it. Amen.
1: In celebration, it's the joining of the bride and the sun, the two becoming one. All the prophecies fulfill in a Worthy and every kingdom, every nation bowing down will crown you with many crowns, every creed and tribe.
0: that the marriage of the Lamb is coming that my King, my Savior has not forgotten us oh yeah oh he's a faithful God he's faithful he hasn't forgotten you no matter what you're going through He's faithful. You might not see the end, but he sees it now.
1: storm but i won't go down i hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out and you would cross an ocean Oh, Jehovah. Jira, you are
0: enough. Oh, he's our provider.
1: Jira,
0: you, you are enough. We'll talk to him this morning.
1: I will be content in every circumstance. Jehovah, Jairah.
0: To truest friend.
2: Word was highlighting the everlasting Father, because that's who God is—the Father who knew us in eternity's past, the Father who knew us before He formed us. He formed us with a plan, with a purpose, with a reason. For right at this moment, He's pursuing you, He's drawing you, He's moving in. He's the everlasting Father, and I love the way they changed it at the end—that we're resting on His shoulders because Jesus. Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light and he wants to move on our lives and he wants to empower us to walk with him as we go into prayer this morning I felt it heavy on my heart that I want to pray for families families that are hurting families that need restoration families that need healing I also want to pray that God would give us creative ideas to reach people. That he's commissioned us to reach the lost and he would give us wisdom on that. And also that God would shine a light on ways that we can unify the church. Are you ready to pray this morning? We believe in prayer at Life Church. Father, we pray. God, Lord, we come before you because you are the everlasting father. You're powerful enough to do anything and you're personal enough to do it for us. God, and we pray this morning for the restoration of broken families. God, there's families that are dysfunctional. There's families that are disunified. There's families that are hurting God. Holy Ghost, I pray that you would bring unity. You would bring healing. You would bring function to the chaos. You would bring order to the chaos in the home, God. Father, God, bring... Healing to families. Bring restoration to families. When they sit down for a meal, they love each other. They sense peace in the home, God. Bring peace back to the home. God, empower husbands to lead their wives. Empower wives to to follow. God, heal families. God, bring restoration to the family unit. Restore the family unit. Lord, give us creative ideas to reach people that are far from you. God, use us. Use us, empower us with the Holy Ghost, empower us with the Spirit of God to reach people and give us creative ideas to begin to move out from the pews, begin to move out from the four walls and reach people, God. Give us ideas to move, give us ideas to move, God. To reach people, give us wisdom, give us ideas, Lord. Open conversations, Holy Spirit, move so that we can reach the lost, God. Lord, I pray this morning that you would shine light on areas where we can cultivate unity. God, put it back on us. God, put it back on us so that we can cultivate unity amongst one another. God, shine areas of bitterness, shine areas of unforgiveness, shine areas of discord. God, breed unity through us, but make us move. God, make us move. Make us move and respond. Lord, we pray that you would move in our service, God. You would move in our hearts, oh God. That you can cultivate in us a character to be the people that can host your glory, to host your power, to host your presence. In Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree with that this morning, say amen, a resounding amen. Hallelujah. Hey, why don't you greet somebody, tell them hello, welcome to service. I know y'all all all jacked up on coffee, so don't get (laughs) dignified with me this morning. Well, good morning, Life Church. I want to welcome everybody watching by live stream. We're so glad you joined us this morning. And everybody who's in service this morning, I'm so glad to see you. I want to welcome you to service. We're glad you decided to be with us this morning. For those of you who don't know me, if this is your first time, I'm Josh, I'm one of the associate pastors here. And we want to welcome you to service. If this is your first time, we ask that after service you visit the Welcome Center, fill out a Connect card, because we want to connect with you. We've got a free gift. Our hospitality team was in the lobby today, serving coffee, and it was connecting with one another. And that's kind of what we do to connect with people, because that's one of our core values here at Life Church: is to connect with God and connect with each other. So that's what we want to do. We want to connect with you. We want to help you find your place in the kingdom, and help you find your special fit in our body. I do have a reminder this morning. I want to remind you guys that Power Up is starting today. You see all the the arcade games. Oh, come on. How many of you remember Tetris? Uh, Not Tetris. What's that? Atari. Oh, come on. Don't get dignified. You know, don't give away your age, but Atari, they had the little stick. Beep, beep, beep. Come on, somebody. So, because Power Up, we're getting ready for Power Up this week, and Power Up is our kids' crusade that we'll be doing. It starts tomorrow, at 6 p.m. and runs till 8 p.m. It's a free event, but if you'd like your kid to attend, we just ask that you register them online at lifechurchla.com, or you can visit Facebook, or I think we have forums at the Welcome Center. So we have those opportunities, and also for everybody who's serving in the power-up event this week, we do have a meeting immediately following service in the room off the foyer. So uh, Pastor Tracy's going to be given vision, given direction, and there's going to be things that you do in meetings, you know? There's going to be that type of stuff. Questions will be answered and stuff like that. So you want to be there and not anywhere else. Also, on the heels of that, because of our power-up service, which will run Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, there will be no regular midweek activities. It will only be power-up that will be going on at service. But, hey, if you're involved in that, you want to you wanna volunteer, you want to help, there's still time and there's still plenty of opportunities for you to take part. Hey, Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We have four opportunities to honor the Lord with giving. Here at Life Church we've got boxes on the back wall. we've got a text to give feature. We've also got a giving feature on our website, and we've got an app. We've afforded several opportunities for you to partner with God in giving here at Life Church. Hey, how many of you are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Oh come on mm-hmm.
3: hallelujah Now folks, I want you you've got kids or grandkids or kids in your neighborhood you need to get them here tomorrow night and and tuesday and wednesday (laughs) i mean think about it mom and dad it's a chance to drop your children off and have a little free date date night (laughs) you know come on now (laughs) Well, it may not be free. it may cost you a meal or something you know, but I mean it you know what I'm saying i mean man that's a that's a great opportunity that's sound like God right amen um before I get in the message this morning uh I'd like to take a few minutes to honor those who have served in our nation and served us and served in our armed forces, and if you are present in this building at this time, would you stand that we may give you honor that is truly yours. Thank you. I I don't take that lightly. I was raised in a military home. My dad was in the military for over 32 years, and raised in moving constantly know what it is to be in that type of environment and uh... there's a camaraderie that comes it being there and um... but the dedication to service is unprecedented i mean i just i mean that i've seen that so many times um, i was struck this week as i was thinking about this uh... and i came across something i just wanna um, this Memorial Day weekend I want to put a little quote up there for you in Iwo Jima Japan in the fifth division graveyard there's a sign that states this following says when you go home tell them for us and say for your tomorrows we gave our today is that powerful it really is, and it was the mindset of those, and anybody who knows anything about history in World War II, I- Iwo Jima was, was a horrible battle. It was, it was a turning point in the war, but it was, it was like all odds against the, um, the, the Allies. Um, several years ago, I had an opportunity to meet uh, Jeremiah Denton, Jr., who is a retired United States admiral, um, a formal naval aviator, also a former U.S. senator to the state of Alabama. He spent almost eight years in, uh, pri- as a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. He wrote a book about his experiences afterwards. And he wrote something that I just want to read to you, and then I want us to pray. Not only a b- blessing for those who have served, but those who are serving. We actually have some people from our congregation who are now all over the world who are serving and, and, and protecting and, and, and fulfilling their responsibilities there. But he, he said this, he said, It is the soldier and not the reporter who has given us the freedom of the press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us the freedom of speech. It is the soldier, not the campus organizer, who gives us the freedom to demonstrate it is the soldier who salutes the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag. And I think it's a travesty when we don't take a moment to honor those who have given their lives for the freedoms that we now enjoy. And so I'd like just, just to take this couple minutes at the beginning of the service at this time of the service to remember those who have given their lives and those who are presently serving for us. And can we pray for them right now? Father, we just thank you that we have been born in a country that was birthed out of the the belief that God, tyranny should not reign. And there were those who were willing to leave families and sacrifice such great odds against them to give us freedoms that we now so oftentimes take for granted. Father, we pray for all those who are presently serving in our armed forces, whether they're here stateside or across the world, Father, that you would be with them in a special way. We are living in difficult times, perilous times even. And many of them are on standby and waiting for a call to be deployed for any mission that they may be. God, I pray that during this time there would be a great harvest of people for the kingdom of God, that those who do not know you would be drawn to those within the ranks who know you as commander-in-chief and that God, everything is in your hands and in your control and that they would be able to bring forth a bounty of fruitfulness of, of souls, of individuals who would also be recruited for the cause of the kingdom of God and that, Father, that you've already stationed them and tr- you can transfer them at any moment to any place in the world and let them know that they're going with purpose and it's not by just happenstance but by divine design. And we thank you for those who have paid the ultimate price in the giving of their lives for us that we might experience the freedoms we have presently in this nation. Thank you for America. Thank you for the land of opportunity. Thank you, God, that we have this great country of ours and that, God, you have ordained us to be here for such a time as this. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Would you once again, I think there were six or seven people that stood. Would you once again thank you? Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Well, let me get into my message this morning. And it's called Where Hope is Found. I have to kind of give you a little background on how this message has come about because I've been preparing. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to begin to prepare, and the Lord just gave me the title of a of a mini series a few minutes ago. I had to stop and write it down because I forget, and I know none of you do, but I I'll forget, <laughs> and um, so it was good. So I said I better write that down, and I put it on my iPad so I wouldn't forget. But um, I had been I've been preparing a, 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 for a, a small series of messages that I feel like God's been speaking to us. Speaking to me for the church, for you, for God's church. And uh, but all week long, my heart has been heavy, and I can't explain that. It's, it's just it has not had, had anything to do personally with me or my family. The, the best way I can explain it to you, it's been a kind of silent grieving. And 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 there's there was a number of things that happened at the first of the week, not to me again. Not to anybody here or anything. that things that I became aware of that, were hap- that had happened. And it was just grieving my heart to, to hear these things and see these things. And um, it just troubled my spirit. And so um, beginning last um, Sunday evening, actually I'd have to say Monday morning. Um, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning. Uh, sound asleep. I woke up all three mornings at 2.22 a.m., three times. My alarm's not set. I was exhausted. I mean, in fact, the last night I said, I'm staying up till after midnight, Wednesday. I was like, I'm staying up till after midnight, so I'll be so tired, I'll sleep till tomorrow. And I woke up out of a sound sleep at two twenty two I have a clock that shines on my ceiling, so i don 't have to get up and look and see what time I can just go like that and At first, I thought maybe it got flipped around when the power went off, and it 's really five hundred fifty five and I, so I got up and looked, and it was two twenty two and i 'm like three nights in a row, and so I shared it with a couple of people after church Wednesday, and um, they prayed with me, which i was I was glad because. I wanted to know, Lord, what are you trying to say? I mean, why three nights, two, two, two? I mean, it, it, that, that, that can't be coincidence, you know? I mean, when I sleep, I sleep. I don't know about you. I go to sleep in less than a minute, minute and a half every night. I mean, I don't have any trouble going to sleep. and uh, but, to be, but to be woken up out of a, a deep sleep at the same exact time three nights in a row... I don't believe in coincidence, but I couldn't, I couldn't seem to get my finger put on it, what it was, and I kept saying, Lord, if you're trying to tell me something, could you tell me at seven in the morning, you know, or something, or if you're gonna wake me up, at least tell me what it's about, because I had no clue. And, um, and so I, I told the, these individuals, they prayed with me, and I was thankful for that, and I said, because first of all, I'm exhausted. I really need some sleep. Uh, the other thing is, if it's the enemy coming against me, I need to know. I need to know why and I need to know how to pray against it. And um, but as the week went on, it it, it there was no no revelation, no understanding, and it just was kind of gnawing at me. It's just kind of one of those things where you, you can't put your finger on it. You ever had that happen before where you just have a sense about something, but you can't figure out what it is. So as I prepared for this message today, and I'm just thinking about this mini-series that I feel like the Holy Spirit and I know he's saying prepare for. But every time I'd go to do that, I'd get a kind of check in my spirit. And if you don't know what I mean by that, it's it's just like after a while you learn when that ain't it. You know, that's that's just like you don't know what it is, but that ain't it. You know, it's a check. And so I knew that it was Holy Spirit trying to speak in that still small voice that sometimes is difficult to hear. Okay, can I get an amen on that? (laughs) I mean, you you say, well, if God's speaking, it should be clear. But it doesn't mean it's always easy to hear what he's leading or what direction there is. And so, as I said, there was a number of things that transpired in in the first part of the week. And, of course, then Tuesday morning came the news out of Uvalde, Texas, uh, of the tragedy that took place in the school. And my heart grieved as the news was everywhere on that. I mean, you couldn't turn around without seeing something somewhere about it. And uh, for those parents and the loved ones looking for answers, wanting to know, feeling like that, you know, it's not coming forth. And, of course, the media is like a frenzy on this, you know, like piranha, you know, (laughs) uh, 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 on an old bone or something like that. You know, I mean, if you've never seen that, uh, when I was in high school in California, we had two piranhas in a fish tank in our science class. I don't know how we got them, but we we, we got them that year. And so we had, we had fun when the teacher wasn't looking. We'd prick our finger and put a little, couple drops of blood in the water and watch the fish just
1: <laughs>
3: go crazy. That's the weird side of me. I don't know. That's just when you're a teenager, things just, you know, amuse you like that, you know. But uh, all week long, there was that news. I mean, everything, in spite of everything else that's been happening that was like the top billet on, on every newscast. And so, I'm like, God, I've got to... I mean, my granddaughter had a dance recital yesterday that was so great, and by, by the time I got home from that, I'm tired, and it's the late afternoon, and I've got... I'm like, Father, help me here. And all of a sudden, I, I gained some understanding about those three nights of two, 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 2 2 And, it, and if you don't know it, Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. Because I'm like, God, well, help me out. And, and, and so um, he, he said, you already, you already touched, you already told somebody what it was. I said, what do you mean I told somebody what it was? I don't even know what it is. He said, you told somebody Wednesday night. And somebody asked me, well, what do you think that means? Three nights of 2 2, two? I said, all I know is it adds up to 6 6 I was joking. I mean, I was literally just like, all I know is it adds up to 6 6 and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit brought that back to remembrance. And I, all of a sudden, it, some things started to click, and that's how this message has come about. Because it, it made me realize the word that john wrote in his first letter to the church in first john 4 and 3 and he says and this is the spirit of antichrist which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world and over the last few decades americans have seen the destruction of the institution of marriage between man and woman, the removal of God's word from uh, the public square, the Ten Commandments being removed from courthouses, the aborting of millions of, of babies. And, and, and ironically, if I can use that word that way, many of the men and women who died for our freedoms did not die for what our nation is becoming today. And, and many gave their lives in order that we, we would be one nation under God, not one nation over God, or one nation without God. Abraham Lincoln said, We have forgotten God, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue. Of our own, so I began, I began to think about how does a nation, a people, because a, a nation sounds, you know, obscure, kind of, you know, like it's not personal. How how do we, as Americans, as a nation, how do how who how do we go from being a nation that whose very existence was established and rooted in the desire to worship God apart from tyranny. How do do we lose our way? Okay? And and I just have a couple, couple things to give to you. And the first one is privileges above principles. Privileges above principles. Former President Dwight Eisenhower said this he said a people that values its privileges and i've put in parentheses there for you the word there means freedoms a people that values its privileges or freedoms above its principles which are values soon loses both so a people that values its freedoms above its values i mean i mean lo- loses its freedoms above you know you lose them both. And it's not one or the other. It's both. And And the Bible clearly reveals that God has judged nations who continually have tolerated sin, which always leads to wrong choices and ended up leaving, leading to devastating consequences, okay? Arnold Toynbee, who wrote a series, a British historian who wrote a series, I think it was 12 volumes if I remember right, from 1934 to 1961, I think it was 62, somewhere around there. He wrote a a series of uh, um, books called The Study of History. And he said this, he said, of the 22 civilizations that have appeared in history, 19 of them collapsed when they reached the moral state that America is in today. Now, put your seatbelt on, because that statement was made in 1961. 1961. See, most historians realize that a republic, that's what we are. We are a republic that exhibits a form of democracy, a government of democracy. They realize that it cannot last forever. And they they look at history and 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 the common value the common things that each nation or each empire has had and what caused its collapse and eventually they collapse due to moral decay and financial irresponsibility, and there's there's actually a, st- a, a thing that I looked and it, and it goes like this: we go from liberty to abundance. Think of our nation. We, those, those our forefathers who came and those, uh, who came across the shores to establish different colonies, and they came because they wanted to worship God freely. They wanted to be out from under the tyranny of a king or an oppressive re- regime that would allow them to worship God in the manner that they, they, they wanted to. So they, they came in liberty, and what happened? God blessed with an abundance. But abundance tends after time to breed complacency. And then complacency leads to apathy, and apathy to the loss of freedom. And based on this, where is America today? The second reason that I believe America has lost its way is not only due to privileges but confusing God's patience with God's approval. See, there was a time when preaching in the pulpits would bring a fear. The fear of God was at one time something that was very real in our churches. For many of you, you don't know that because you're too young. But some of us are old enough to remember what it was i mean there was a healthy fear of the lord the bible says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom i mean so there's a reverent fear there's a righteous fear of god but but over the years some things have happened and the scandals that have happened in the church over the last few decades and the things that are still happening today that are rolling out it seems week after week another major scandal and there was three more this past week i mean it, is just, it, it just keeps getting worse. And I think when I've seen it, I think when I've seen the worst, then I see something even worse. And, and um, it's because somehow we've confused God's patience with his approval. That because nothing's happened, I can do this again, and I can do this again, and I can do this again. And, oh, God must be approving of that. Can I tell you, payday comes one day, either in this life or in the next life. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is, and unfortunately, countless people, including many Christians, are confusing God's patience with his approval, because we've been able to do this, and do this, and do this, and nothing really dramatic has happened. We say, God loves America. We we pray, God bless America, and, and, and I and. I would pray that our our nation would bless America, you know, but it's not that we need God to bless America. We need America to bless God. We've walked away from Him, we've turned our backs on Him. Thomas Jefferson said this He said, Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and His justice cannot sleep forever. See, God, not the government has the final say God always has the final say America has been desensitized one generation at a time those of us who are old enough okay I'm old enough I got a birthday in two weeks (laughs) gonna make me older but I remember the way it used to be and I remember what our nation used to be like. And not that it was perfect by any means, but there was a healthy sense of right and wrong and good and evil and all of that within every community in our nation. But we've been desensitized one generation at a time. I've seen this in so many avenues of society and culture today. Things would happen... I remember years ago when they tried to put something on TV and the phone banks would light up and they would pull those things off, and now that is nothing compared to the stuff that comes across TV screens and our own phones and everything else. I mean, we've been desensitized one generation at a time, one court case at a time, one court decision one compromise at a time, and now we're, we're drowning in a cesspool of relativism. Now, for those of you who don't know what relativism is, I'm just going to give you a very simple definition. It's not exhaustive by any means, but it's simply the doctrine that knowledge, truth, morality exist in relation to culture, society, and historical context, and they're not absolute. In other words, it's what the Bible says. Every man did what was right in their own eyes. And so now we're drowning in this cesspool of this garbage because this person says it's right, but this person says it's wrong, and this one says no, and this one says yes. And, and, and so now the waters are so muddied. It's not muddy anymore. It's not even a choice between dirty water and muddy water. It's 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 a sewer. Psalms 12 and eight says the wicked freely parade and prance about while evil is praised throughout the land. Second Timothy three and one. Paul wrote Timothy, he says, know this in the last days perilous times will come. Now understand something. I learned something about this word perilous this week that I didn't know before. Because perilous to mean I see danger. You know, it's perilous. It's like a danger, a trap, or whatever. But that's not what the word means there. And I looked it up, and here's what the Apostle Paul used the word. And the word perilous means something that brings about a decrease in strength. It means literally to slacken. And examples, I've put it up on the screen for you, to let down, to lower, to slacken, to loosen. You've been there before. You've seen something where they'll say, somebody's got a hold of a, a rescue rope or something, they'll say, give me a little slack. That's what it means. And you say, well, that's not what I thought, but that's what... So Paul is writing Timothy. He said, in the last days, there are going to be perilous times. There are going to be times of slack, times where people are going to let down, lower, and loosen. Loosen what? Loosen hold of the truth of God's word. And immediately when I read that, I said, oh, wow. In in the letter that John wrote to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Jesus says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. In other words, remember where you have sl- allowed slack to come in. He says this is, this is perilous to you because look what he goes on He says. He says, repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you Repent. How many of you think that's perilous when Jesus comes and takes your lampstand? That's what he's telling the church. You, you, you've, you've forgotten from where you have fallen. And can I say that the America has forgotten from where it once was. We've rewritten history so that we have a couple generations that have no clue what our true history really is. But in the church... We've done the same thing. We've rewritten God's word. We've rewritten the history of what God's preaching, what his word says. God has been, and still he is, shaking our nation. I've been preaching it for years and telling you, but I'm telling you there's more coming. But the reference in Revelation is not to... America, it is to the church, to the church in Ephesus, right, Jesus told God. So it's more than God trying to awaken a nation out of slumber. God is actively trying to wake his church out of slumber. That led me to a verse of scripture that I've preached many times in Bible prophecy, but, man, it, it just took on a whole new light for me. In Isaiah 60 and 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I mean, most preachers, you preach that, and, you, and people would say, Amen, glory, amen, I want that. But can I tell you something? There, it's, not a, it's not a suggestion, it's a, it's a command. And so I looked up the word arise. The word arise means to rise, to stand up, to raise up, or to just stand. He says arise and shine. And so I said, okay, I think I know what shine means. But literally this word, when you look at it, it means to be or become a light. Now Jesus said to his disciples and the followers, he said, He said, you're to be a light on a hill, not hidden under a bushel. You're to be a light to the city. He said, that's what you're called to be. And and God is saying to the church in this day and in this hour, arise, stand up, and shine, become a light. And the glory of the Lord is upon you. We're so worried about offending somebody If we take a stand for God and mention Jesus or take a stand for righteousness and against evil and wickedness, that that we're fearful and we cower. God is saying, arise, stand up with boldness and become the light that I've called you to be. And when you do that, the glory of the Lord is going to shine on you. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 says, For God, who said, Let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. He's seen the same God who said, Let there be light. And the light was created in the heavens. He said that is the same God that has made this light. What is the light? The light of who Christ is. The glory of Christ himself. He said he has put that in our hearts, not so we can sit around and sing, oh, doesn't it feel good to love Jesus? He says I put it in your heart so that you could, be, you could shine for the whole world that they might know who it is. That is in you. The light is not so Christians can sit back and bask in its glow, and its presence. The light is to be the light in darkness. It's to be the beacon of hope. The beacon of hope to those that have lost their way. So you might be sitting there and going, so what's the answer, Pastor? What are Christians to do in this day and age? Well, I can tell you that there are times to encourage and to motivate and to lift up, but there are also times to confront and challenge and contend for what is right, and that time, if there ever was a time, is now. I read yesterday an article, a history periodical. It was was a really interesting article. I won't go into all the depths in it, and I'm not trying to slander any church or anything like that but i read an article yesterday of a man who has scoured the archives and treasures of the vatican for years and years he's become like the most profound expert there is on all of that and he had some new research that he had just published or made public that showed that the actions of pope pius xii during world war ii he failed to publicly condemn Hitler and Mussolini. And if you don't know who that is, then you need to go get your history book. They were the, the heads of the Axis powers before Japan even came into the war. I mean, before they joined up. But I mean. And the reason he said that from the documents and things that he found was that the pope, didn't speak out against the Holocaust and what Hitler and them were doing because he wanted to protect the church because he believed that the Axis powers were actually going to win the war. And in so doing, his silence of the persecution of the Poles and and especially the Jews made him complicit in the extermination of over 6 million Jews. The Holocaust is more than a blight upon the history of humankind. If you ever go to Israel, I challenge you to take a day and go to the Holocaust Museum. I've seen people just walk out in the middle of it. They can't take it. I've been there. My wife and I have been through it. Every new soldier who signs up in the Israeli Defense Force before they can finish boot camp, they are taken through the Holocaust Museum there so that they will know what it is they're fighting for. And when they come out, that they say, never again. They get a full-on front of what took place. And as horrible as the Holocaust was, and I'm going to say something that please do not take this out of context, yet in America, while we legitimately cry, over the tragedy of the dozens of children that were gunned down this past week in this school and the heartache of those parents demanding answers. As horrible as that was, yet at the same time in America, there are thousands of people preparing to march upon the Supreme Court should they overturn Roe v. Wade. And no one is crying out for the 63-plus million babies that have been murdered in the womb, and in some states now can be killed even after being brought out of the womb. I am not putting down what happened this past week. But the scales are weighing heavy against America we're experiencing a rapid deterioration of our nation right before our eyes and this is not the time for passive inactive apathy from the church of Jesus Christ this is the time if there was ever a time this is the time for god's people to weep and fast and petition god on behalf of our nation and and some people would say well why is america so different well i'm going to tell you in just a moment but if you're not concerned about it at least do it for your children or your grandchildren Woe to the church whose only concern is to scurry through a little bit of worship and hurriedly get through a 17-minute sermon so that they can get to the nearest restaurant and get on with life. I've heard these three questions multiple times in my life, and, and I believe that, that they were they were... Appropriate then and they're appropriate now. And those three questions are, if not now, when? If not here, where? And if not us, who? See, the questions simply imply that by being a a bystander makes you part of the very problem that you're railing against. It's easy to point the finger and say, here's the problem, there's the problem, but what are you doing? How moved are you? How disturbed are you by the things that you see? In The prophet Ezekiel revealed God's heart towards Israel when they were at a similar junction in their history. In Ezekiel 22 and 30, it says this, I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. The need for the wall to be built up was due to the fact that it had been torn down. You don't have to rebuild a wall unless it's been torn down. In fact, many translations, instead of using the word gap, they use the word breach, and it really is a a better word. It it means the same thing. It's a gap, but it paints a more insightful uh, word because the word breach means a gap in a wall barrier or defense, especially one made by an attacking army. In other words, when your city's under attack and the enemy's broken through the gates or broken down the wall, there's a breach in the wall. And, and, and the call of the soldier is to go and breach the gap, bridge that gap and make sure that the enemy gets, doesn't get through. And Ezekiel says by the prophetic word, he said, God says, I search for a man. I search for one person who is willing to stand in the breach. He said, but I couldn't even find one. And that was true in Ezekiel's day, and I believe it's very true in this day. But listen, God is still looking for a man or a woman to speak and do what is right. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, silence speaks volumes? I I looked it up on my computer and Eight years ago, this September, I preached a message called The Deafening Silence. And I pointed out in that message, as I do today, there's an old adage, silence speaks volumes. And, and there's a positive and a negative to that. And the positive simply is that, that one silence can convey more than a mouthful of meaningless words. Can I tell you that as a pastor, there are many times when I've gone to someone's home whose loved one has just passed away or they've received critical news of some kind and the, the, the desire is to say something that would comfort them. But can I tell you that a lot of times the greatest comfort you can give is just being there and listening. Just listening. Because it communicates acceptance of the person at that given moment. It, 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 especially when there's strong feelings of sorrow or fear or anger, and the silence on our part is simply the willingness to be able to give the other person our full attention. I don't know about you, but that's hard in most, for most of us. I mean, we're there, but we're not there. you know. It, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Have you ever just said, hey, how you doing? And that person decides to tell you. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. And, and they go, oh, and I got to tell you. And you're like, oh, okay. You, you didn't want to know. And some of you are still telling me every week that you're struggling with that, not saying that. <laughs> just walk through the hall and go, hi, and smile. It'll make people wonder what you're up to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why are they smiling. You know, they'll be checking themselves in the mirror like, I got something on me? You know what, you know? Those times of silence and our gestures of listening are very real to those people at that time. But, you say, I knew there was going to be a but somewhere. (laughs) There comes a time when We must speak up and no longer be silent. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And for those Christians who believe that we should publicly remain passive and silent on the issues of the day, I challenge you to go read the writings of the Old Testament prophets because they lamented, with shed tears, they pleaded with the people and with the leadership of their nations to turn from their sins and turn back to God, and they spoke that truth in love. Jesus even looked down on Jerusalem, and he wept for them, because he knew that in her present state, without re- and without a national regeneration, there was destruction coming upon the city. He said, how I would have gathered you under my wings as a mother hen does to her chicks, but you would not have it. I mentioned last week that one of my great concerns of late has been for the pulpits In America today, many pastors and ministers, and look, I want to say something. I was not trying to put all the blame or whatever on pastors per se. I was just trying to help you understand what's what's actually happening in in churches all across America today and why many pastors have failed in their preaching of the truth of God's word. That was my whole purpose in that. That's it. So if anybody has any questions, that was it. But my heart's been grieved lately because I've seen the destruction. I was in Guatemala right after the fall of Jimmy Swaggart. And the missionary we were with, my wife was with me, and she'll tell you this. The missionary said his moral failure has cascaded through all of Central and South America. And half our church is closed, the other half just were emptied out by halves. He said, He said, people were so disillusioned that someone like that could fall. I'm just telling you the truth. So, why do you think the, the enemy goes after the shepherd? You smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. And that's why. Your faith cannot be built in a man or a woman. It cannot be established in their personality or their charismatic um, uh, charisma or even the gifts or the outpouring and the miracles. I remember my wife and I, when we were pastoring a church in South Louisiana that we had started, we had come to a place, we started it from scratch and we were at a place in our own lives we were at the end of our rope. Anybody ever been to the end of your rope? Can I tell you who's at the end of the rope? Jesus is. But we were at the end of our rope, and, and I looked at her, and I said, baby, we ain't never done this in all the years we've been down here. But I want to go over, and I named the place. I said, for Monday Night Miracle Service. They had one every Monday night. And hundreds and thousands of people would show up. I said, come on, baby. Let's, we, so we found a babysitter for our kids and we took off. And when we got there, there was people everywhere, TV cameras everywhere. And and I said, I said, man, I said, I don't want to be, no, we ain't going down front. I said, we're gonna hide in the back like church people always do. You know, so we we went about three-quarters of the way back, brother. We were I, said, I told her, I said, get it on there. I want the aisle, I want the aisle seat. Way, way back was a fan-shaped auditorium, big auditorium, and fan-shaped. We were on the end way about three-fourths of the way back, almost where the balcony come over the top so you could kind of hide, you know. And we didn't know anybody there, but, I mean, I just, that's the way I wanted it, you know. And yet we came, and we were, like, needing, needing God. And the preacher was preaching away, and he stops in the middle of preaching, and he looks back in our direction, and he goes, you and and I go like I mean I'm in my seat right and I'm hunkering down even further like he can't see me if I'm down here he said you aren't you a pastor and a woman sitting next to you and I'm looking, looking at my wife like <laughs> I don't know you <laughs> He said, aren't you a patent? And here comes a TV camera right down the aisle coming right at me. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, no, surely this isn't happening. And, and, and he said, stand up. And my wife and I stood up and we grabbed our hands and we were just shaking. He's in the middle of his preaching. He said, the word of the Lord for you is this. And I mean, he read our mail. And the promise he gave, we were blowing snot and tears every which way. Box of Kleenex wasn't a hurt. I mean, help. I mean, it was... It <laughs> and here's the TV camera right here. I'm like, God, I didn't want nobody to know. You know, I mean, and then when he gets done, he goes right back to preaching. And we're just sitting there going, I'm thinking, we could leave now. I mean, we got, we got what we came for, you know? And, and look, then at the altar call, brother... People started coming forward for prayer. And I watched the lady come down the aisle. It was on this side of the church. I'll go over here because that's what was there. It was on that side. This lady's coming down the aisle, and he's standing near the platform. And that woman's coming down the aisle, and he stretched his hand out like that. She's 10 feet away, and something took her back like this. And her feet went up in the air, and she hit the floor. And when she hit the floor, she's speaking in tongues. I'm like, go I mean, what you gonna say? I mean, she coming down the aisle, wham God just like clotheslines her and takes her out on the floor. I'm like, he didn't even get to touch her. I said, baby, get ready to run. I said, I'm like, we well, ain't going up there if he calls us up there. I mean, all this happens. And we, we walk out of there all the way home. We're crying, we're singing, we're worshiping God because he's so awesome. And the next morning, we woke up with someone banging at the door and that same minister's plastered over the front of the newspaper for a scandal. And I said, oh God, how can, can I tell you, it sent me into a tailspin for a week. And I'm being, I'm being, I don't know I'm telling you this, but I'm telling you, I've been through this. And it wasn't for a week until God's word, he showed me about the seed of the sower, that the power was in the seed. The power is not in the sower.
1: Yeah.
3: It was the seed that had life in it. He said, son, I, I could use the devil to preach salvation if I wanted to and people would get saved. Now, some of you may, your theology made me messed up by that, but I'm just telling you. I don't know why I had to say that, but I, I, I haven't told that story in 30-plus years. But I've seen the damage it does in the church. And I know of dozens of my friends and former church members who are not in church today because they've been hurt by things they've seen things they've heard in the church. I mentioned this last week. And there is an anointing to break that thing off of people. And for those who want to be delivered, God will heal them and set them free. Because I hear the army of the prodigals, and they're coming home. They're coming home. Because they've said, in my Father's house, the servants eat better than what I'm getting out here. But when they come home, they're not going to be met at the door by some standard or measuring stick to see whether or not they're worthy to come in. They're going to be met at the door with arms stretched out and love that is real and genuine is saying, Welcome home! Welcome home! Welcome home! You have too many pastors and ministers exchanging truth for tolerance replacing boldness for balance and substituting conviction for cowardlessness they don't want to offend anyone cuz they don't want to lose their audience but listen to me all christians say all all christians not just pastors not just the reverends or the ministers or whatever we are not called to seek the applause of man. We are called to seek the applause of God. For I desire that when I stand before Him, I hear, well done, good and faithful one. Pastors and Christian leaders alike, must at some point take responsibility for the spiritual health of the church. They must at some point take the spiritual temperature. I still remember when I was a kid, they'd say, put this under your tongue. And if you didn't put it there, they put it somewhere else (laughs) to take your temperature. I'm not trying to be crude. It's just the way it was in my day. We didn't have nothing to scan your forehead. Or stick in your ear, you know? I mean, and I found out what happens if you bite into one of them things. It ain't candy. I'm telling you, I'm just, I was stupid as a kid. I mean, you know. But we need to take the spiritual temperature of, of our own lives and of our own church. And I'm telling you, there's an awakening taking place right now in churches across America because there is a hunger and a dissatisfaction that is growing in the pews and, and the pulpits I mean the pews and the the rows of our churches where people saying there has to be truth there has to be something more than these simple platitudes of feel good and do this and do that and and they're looking for something that's sure Why? Because we're in a time of shaking. And I've stated many times that the pulpits inevitably set the, the tone for the religious climate of a nation. But I'm going to take it a step further this morning. The culture, a culture void of God, simply reflects the lack of conviction in the pulpit as well as the pew. You're not going to put it on just the person standing up front. There's more out there than there are up here. Come on now. So you're probably sitting there going by now thinking, why in the world did I come to church today? And if you're a visitor thinking, that preacher's nuts. Well, I'm going to close this thing. But I'll tell you why you came. Because you asked, I'm going to tell you. Our nation, our cities, our schools, our neighbors, our families are in need of hope. Hope, not as the world gives, but as only can be found in Jesus. I've had that false hope before. It's just like fake news. It ain't real. But Jesus can bring real hope in your life. And it's not a wish. It's, it, 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 it's not a guarantee. It, it is a guarantee It's not wishes. Because people say, well, I hope things work out. What they're saying is, "I, I really wish things will work out good for you. No, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. What his word says is true, and I will stake my life to the last breath I have. That he is Christ, and he is Lord, and his word is true. So what do we do? Second Chronicles seven fourteen calls from the past with resounding clarity all the way up to the date of today. It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. There is no doubt in my mind, without question, repentance and prayer and humility before God is the only hope for our nation. America is not going to save America. Some people would say, well, isn't that true of any nation? I would say, yes, that is true, that any nation that repents and turns to God, God will bring them out of the the place that they were at. But more so for America than any other nation, I believe, and I'll tell you why. Because that word in Second Chronicles was given to Israel. And in the history of humanity, only two nations were ever birthed or formed out of a covenant with the living God: Israel and America. And the problem is that most Christians are confused about this verse as they think it's the non-religious people that need to repent. But it doesn't say that. If my people, it is the church who is called to stand in the breach, to build up the wall, and boldly proclaim the name and gospel of Jesus Christ. If we fail to do so, then the words of John Winthrop, who is one of the leading figures in the founding of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, will come to pass. For he said, we shall be a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world and you think well well, pastor is there any hope yes there is because that's what this message is where hope is found where hope is found, because I want to tell you something that's been building inside of me for weeks now, for months, in fact, and and I'm just going to say it exactly the way it's been coming to me, and that is this, if the church fails in its response towards God, God has a remnant that he has prepared and hidden for such a time as this. The present day church will be judged if it misses God and goes on about its merry way. But God will call forth and is already beginning to do so, those who are willing to lay it all down for an end time move of God on the face of this earth. I don't know about you, but I pray and I've asked God to let me live long enough that I can be a part of it and see it with my own eyes. And God, the Holy Spirit gave me this early this morning. Because he woke me up at 420. Again. I said, I'm getting up, Lord. Got my coffee and went and sat down. He said, I'm going to show you two things about this remnant, and then we're going to close in prayer. He He said, go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And so I did, and here's what it says. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And the Holy Spirit said this. He said, this remnant that God is going to call, he has saved, he has delivered, and he has called for a purpose. They're not going to wander around going, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't even know what's going on. They're going to wake up every morning that they have breath in their lungs. They're going, to, they're going to have an awareness that they're on a mission. They're on a mission from God that there's a purpose for their being. I'm telling you, the moment you were created in the womb, God foreordained a divine DNA in you. And the moment that you surrendered to Jesus, Holy Spirit began a work in you to see that God's purpose, that he has already ordained, would be brought forth through your life for the glory of God. But it requires each of us to surrender to his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, if I say I'm going to do it my way, God will go find somebody else who will do it his way. I've talked to people who say, I know God's got a purpose for my life. And I said, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm just kind of waiting. No, no, no. If he's already given you a clue and you know what the purpose is, then you're preparing. You begin to prepare. You say, Well, I don't know clearly yet. No, but you start preparing, you start laying the groundwork, you start doing certain things, you become faithful in certain things, and you you push out things that don't belong there, and you rearrange priorities in your life so that when God speaks, you're ready to move. The second part he says is found in verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, if you can put that on for there for me, Jerry. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Say that to, with me. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he saved you and he's given you a purpose and he's prepared good works in advance that you might fulfill them in this moment and in this time. I don't know about you, but that excites me because that tells me that there is a message of hope for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we can either sit around and wring our hands about all the evil that's happening in the world and we can listen all the conspiracy ideas that are out there and all these scary things or we can turn around and recognize that God specifically placed you here in this moment in human history for a reason. He didn't put you 50 years ago or 50 years from now. He's got you here now because he's made you for a specific purpose and reason in this moment, in this time, or as the scripture says, for such a time as this. How good awesome is that to wake up and realize not only am I created for a purpose not only am I destined for a godly purpose and his kingdom but I could tell you that when you surrendered that to God the years ahead can be absolutely an amazing adventure you say oh but what about no no no, no but what about God's on the throne I say, God's on the throne. Nothing catches him by surprise. He didn't wake up and go, oh, I wish I had known about that coronavirus thing before I put my church together. Or he didn't say, oh, I wish I had known that that inflation is going to get so bad that, oh, I wish I had known. Can I tell you, he's God. And I'm convinced the greatest days of miracles and signs and wonders are just ahead. Because it's in those times. Listen, you don't need a healer until you're sick. You don't need a deliverer until you're bound. I'm telling you, you don't need light until you're in darkness. But when God shows up, I mean, the devil trembles. While we were singing that song earlier about Gyra, whatever. I mean I, I don't remember the name of the song, but anyway, as we were singing that, I sat right there praying in the Holy Spirit and I saw, I, I'm gonna tell you what I saw. I saw like on on like a cubicle underground and I saw like three or four people kneeling there and they were worshiping and praising God and there was a glory that was around them but around the cubicle it was underground and and there was there was just shaking of the earth and turbulence on the face of the earth the whole time but these people were just sitting there and they were in the presence of God and God was preparing them and God was taking care of them if God will cause a raven a scavenger bird to bring food to the prophet how much more will he do for his own children who are called by his name adopted into his family I'm just telling you we have a purpose all of human history has been building to this grand crescendo and we get to be here for it Ooh. I said we get to be here for it I'm not waking up going, oh, I wonder what's happening in the stock market today. I wonder what's happening in my company today. I wonder what's happening. Woo, we get to be here. God's appointed us. He's set his hand upon us. He's called us. He's anointed us. He's put his word in us. He's given his spirit to us. And by his stripes I'm healed. And his word ordains my steps. God, today, every place I go, let me be an ambassador for your message. Let me carry the message of hope into the world. And so I close with this one question. Are you available And are you willing to take that message of hope of Jesus to your world? Well, I'm available. Well, how about Tuesday? Well, no, I'm not really available Tuesday. I've got this that I like to do. What day are you available? How about Thursday? Well, no, I've got this. Are you available and are you willing? God will use you I say God will use you if you're ready for God to do great and marvelous things in and through your life I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you're able to right now if you can't stand just raise your hand that's fine with me I just want to know who you, where I'm looking oh devil you better all look out Look around this room. I see an army. I see an army. I see an army of God being raised up. An army with purpose. and art uh, An army that has a plan, that un- has an understanding. Where there is hope, where the people are, where the church is, there should be hope, not doom and gloom. Recognize the hour, recognize the culture, recognize what's going on, but recognize to him who sits on the throne forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. ever. He's not to be thrown off. He's not going to be voted out. He's not going to quit. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between right now where you're at, would you just tell them, God, I'm willing and I'm available to be the messenger of hope. Do whatever I need to do. I'll do whatever I need to do to make you a priority, to make that mission a priority. That God, that I would take the word of hope every place that I go. In the mighty name of Jesus. I will not look to the left and I will not look to the right and I will not look behind, but I will keep my eyes steadfast on you, Lord God. When you say turn left, I'll turn left. When you say turn right, I'll turn right. And when you say keep going on, I'll keep going on. It's not a matter of how many are with me. It's a matter if I'm with you, Jesus. For where you are, all things are possible. The Holy Spirit is saying some of you have the idea that you've got to get to some level of maturity before God can even use you in any way. But I would say that, that the enemy is lying to you. Listen to me. There is a truth that comes with maturity. May God will trust you with certain things as you are mature enough to handle them. Just as you would not hand the keys to your vehicle to a seven-year-old child. So we can trust that God will put you in places that you are able to be used for the kingdom of God. And do not look back on your past and do not look and say, I'm not worthy enough. For that is a lie from the pit of hell itself. For God has sent his son and his blood washed you and cleansed you and set you in a place of righteousness with me. And God said, my spirit is within you. He is not a half of spirit or a quarter of the spirit. He is the whole Holy Spirit and he is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and that same spirit lives within you, and he is able to use you mightily in places that only you can be used at this point in time. Do not overlook the places where you stand right now and say, I long for a future time when God can use me. I would say, open your eyes and look around, for the field is already white unto a harvest and i have appointed you and called you to be a harvester in the field in which you find yourself Do not look upon another's field and say, I wish I was over there. Or do not look over here and say, I wish I could have what they have. But realize I have planted you and put you in the place where you can be most effective to me and for my purposes. Therefore, be faithful in that which I have put before you. Be faithful in those little things. And as you are faithful in those little things, I will open doors and I will promote you and I will move you into other realms. But until I do so, do not try to force those doors open. Do not try and move in places that I have not called you. For you will find yourself open to attack by the enemy. I would tell you that you work in the field and where I have planted you. And you will will bring forth an abundance of harvest. And I will make myself known to you. For even as David slew the the bear and then the lion, he was then able to go out after the giant Uh, uh, he was then able to go after the giant and God is saying you need to have a few battles under your belt so to speak and you need to see some victories and that's why I have you where you are quit asking for something that I have not yet put within your realm or your scope. I see that really very clearly. I see a field and I see people standing there looking across the field at other people and other fields. And God said, quit looking over there, but get to work in your own field. Oh Holy Spirit. Come on. Let's just pray, church. Come on. Come on. Just a few more minutes. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Enter in. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh God. God forgive us for being jealous of others in the body. Forgive us for, for, for desiring to work in a field that you've not placed us, Lord. God, forgive us for desiring gifts that you've given to someone else that you've not given to us. God, let us be faithful in the place that you've called us. Let us be faithful in the work that you've called us. Let us be faithful with the gifts that you've bestowed upon us. And as we prove our faithfulness to you, then, Lord God, in your time and in your season, you will see fit to move us and to 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 direct our paths in ways that will be meaningful to the kingdom of God. I I, I just, I don't know why. I'm trying to be obedient here. I said, there's someone here. You've been praying for God to get you out of where you're working. And you've really not asked him about it. And I see one person on the job. I don't, I, I, I'm looking like at a shop. It's like a big mechanic shop or something like that, a fabricating place or something. That's what I'm seeing. It doesn't mean that's what it is. But you say, "Well, Lord, Lord I don't know why you have me here. I, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be someplace else. But I see a person way over in the corner who's, who's hungry and empty on the inside. And God said, if you'll open your eyes, I'll show you that individual. I'll show you the condition of that person. I'll show you the emptiness they're experiencing. And I'll draw you. And I'll put you together. And you'll see the fruit of why I've had you stay where you've been for so long. I don't know who that's for. But when that happens, I want you to come and tell us. I want you to come and tell us. hallelujah go ahead Justin let me just send worship
0: Jesus be the center of it all Jesus be the center of it all from the beginning to the end you will always be it's always been you Jesus 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 be the center of it all Jesus be the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be It's always been you Jesus Jesus nothing else matters Nothing in this world do Yes Lord Jesus you're the center And everything revolves around you Jesus you Jesus, be the center of my life. Yes, Lord. Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, be. THE CENTER OF YOUR CHURCH JESUS BE THE CENTER OF YOUR CHURCH EVERY KNEE WILL BOW EVERY TONGUE SHALL CONFESS YOU JESUS JESUS NOTHING ELSE MATTERS Nothing in this world would do. Jesus be the center. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. And nothing else matters.
3: Yes, Lord.
0: Nothing in this world could do. Jesus, be the center. And everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus, be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, be the center of it all.
3: Yes, Lord.
0: It's all about you. Jesus, be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the same. And everything revolves around you. Jesus, Jesus be the center of my life.
3: If you haven't made Christ the center of your life, He's paid the price. He's done everything necessary for you to know Him personally. It's simply a matter of of admitting the Bible says that you're a sinner and lost separated from God but Jesus came and paid the price that you might be reunited with your creator it's simply a matter of acknowledging your sin and asking God to forgive you and repenting that's what the Bible says and repenting means to change your thinking and bring it in alignment with what God's word says God says, we we, were lo- we are lost without him. But through Christ, we can be redeemed. It's surrendering everything. We're singing the song. Be, be it all. Be everything. Be everything in my life. I had a Christian one time tell me, a pastor's kid tell me, says, well, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. I said, then I doubt you're really saved. He said, well, I've accepted him as Savior. And I said, you can't disseminate the two. You can't separate the two. He's one and the same. He's Savior. And he saved you to be Lord of your life. Not saved you so you can be Lord of your life. You're already Lord of your life without him. You need him. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you from this day forward. I recognize you are the Son of God. I'm a sinner lost without you. Jesus, I surrender my life, my heart, everything to you. Come into my life. From this day forward, I will follow you. And in that moment, Holy Spirit does an incredible thing. He writes your name jesus. in the name under the name of his son jesus under the name of the father the lamb's book of life your name is entered how incredible that is how incredible that is now father as we leave this place today I pray that we walk out of here realizing that God we're on a mission that we have purpose And that there's a reason for our being in this moment. From this day forward, we will never wonder why we're even alive. We will understand, I am alive for such a time as this. That I might be a carrier of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are in need of hope who are in need of salvation, who are in need of healing, who are in need of deliverance, who are in need of being picked out out of the pit and set upon a high place. Father, let us be found faithful in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need special prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, I hope that you'll be coming in tomorrow night, bringing kids with you, man. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm a-